Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So there's a Squid Rugby Fantasy League mm-hmm. out there on the Rugby World Cup Fantasy League thing. I want to ask you, Right, as we come to the end of round two, the Sunday from round two, how are you doing? Okay, <laughs> bear with me as I check. I am in place number, oh, just the one I was hoping for, 4,941. 4,000. I'm in 8,525. Oh, I'm killing it here. I'm killing it here. Can you ask about the other leagues I'm in, please? Uh, how are you doing in the other leagues you're in? Well, it's funny. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, I'm, um, it's a pleasure. In the Long Eaton Room Club Falcons Super League, which nice. is the team that I coach, I'm first. Nice. Um, okay. <laughs> killing it. Coach comes in and just bloody rips up. I've only recently acquired first place uh, nice. because okay. of my previously discussed Caleb Clark triple captaincy. But there, there was a player who was ahead of me until right now. Well done to you, Ollie. I'm sure you're going to mm. take me again. And also in the Long Eaton Rugby Club Senior Players League, I'm in second. Ooh. So out of 11. And I, the first one's out of seven. So Okay. Doing all right in those. Yeah. 4,000th in the Squidge League. 5,000th if yeah. you up. The, the Squidge Rugby League is somehow the second biggest invitational league on the website, which is absolutely absurd. Sure. Like, I don't understand how that's happened. We're second to Jim Hamilton's league. I don't understand He's how a very big man. come. He, he ends up being called the Big Jim League, whereas mine should be called the Tiny, Tiny Little Guy League. Yeah. There's somehow, there's almost 21,000 people in it, which is absurd. I'm in 8,000th place. So actually, when you put it like that, actually, I'm over, you know, I'm in the top half. I'm in the top quarter. If it was like Tetris 99, then not going to cut me out for a while yeah you know, like sure. i'm doing all right i'm not being cut out when everyone else uses their triple captaincy I'm yeah gonna fall into i mean if it was tetris 99 off. i'd be bloody winning wouldn't i because I'm, I'm good at that like better than i am at fantasy rugby to particularly look at this weekend right because i think this is something that came up for a lot of people i think a lot of us got our picks wrong for that <laughs> for that south africa versus romania game yeah there's one pick in particular that went all right but could have gone a lot better yeah Grant Williams. Grant Williams. Did you go Grant Williams? I went Grant Williams. I also went with Grant Williams. Scrum off. I was like, oh, he's on the wing. He's going to score loads of tries. But the thing I didn't factor in is South Africa was scoring before the ball even had to get to the wing. Yeah. And that was the thing. I was kind of thinking that there's a decent chance that Grant Williams doesn't get that many tries, but he's going to get more than the other scrum halves, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he might get one or two tries, but like, how many scrum halves can you safely say are going to go two tries? Bloody, apparently all of them. Yeah. Apparently all of them are way on top of that. And Corbus Reinach in particular is one of those. Yeah. Who's going to get three tries. Like, there's something about Corbus Reinach. He scores loads and loads of tries, and I can't figure out why that is. I can't figure out if there's one particular trait he mm. has, uh, such as his speed, if there's any particular reason, or reasons, multiple, why he may ancestry have maybe some sort of genes I don't know is genes pretty good yeah maybe uh, his mum was running in genes um, I did that today during the play touch tour yes, we'll get back to that more on that later maybe uh, his 
mother was like a speedboater and yeah. was used to going really fast or something like that. That sounds about right. Or his like great auntie was something. Here's the thing, or right? No, so we're alluding to the fact that you know he, well, he had a quick man in his past. Yeah, um, his granddad was an Olympic sprinter man in his past, and his dad was a winger. Yeah. What if his mum is secretly like the fastest woman in South Africa? And it's a Tommy Allen situation where people only mention his dad and like, oh, his dad was Scottish. Yeah, his mum was the first ever captain of the Italian women's team. Yeah. Why aren't you bringing that up all the time? Yeah, like we need to bring up nepotism more in rugby. I think. Yeah. Um, when it's female players, only when it's female. The only players. one that comes up is Sophie De Goody. Yeah. Right. Where you know, obviously, because both of her parents were Canada captain. Yeah. And, and she's grown up to two be of, Canada captain. Two of the greatest Canadian players of all time. Yeah. And the thing, like, let's not beat around the bush. She's going to retire the greatest Canadian player of yeah. all time of any gender in any form of rugby. Yeah, oh, she's already a large part of the way there. Yeah, she like, is. The, sorry, DTH, I love you, man. No, but, I think she's the best Canadian player to come along in my lifetime. How I've been watching rugby. Yeah, she's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Can we do a W15 podcast instead when that starts? That's a great idea. We should talk about the World Cup in the meantime, though. Yeah. So, because it's Work. not the bloody squid rugby W15 retrospective. No. Though we should do that at some point. We should. So, South Africa versus Romania. There's surprisingly little to say about this for a game of 12 tries. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I think there is a lot. I think Romania's game against Ireland was pretty depressing. But Ireland are a team that always scores a lot of tries, always picks up a lot of tries in terms of the, you know, the way they play and so on. And they put out their strongest team pretty much because yeah. they haven't much time away. South Africa filled in the seconds, basically, you know, to the point they had four Scramarves in the team which is the much talked about thing yeah. and yet they were ripped apart even worse it ended up being the same try count and a pretty similar scoreline but for that first half an hour it looked like it was going to be 100 yeah and Romania managed to slow the rot a tiny bit but it was pretty horrible to watch from a neutral point of view the only players I'm looking at there and going are definitely first choice are Bongi and Banambi and Vili Larue mm. and, and even then Larue didn't start the Scotland game yeah, exactly. So, exactly. The box has got and such strength and depth that actually... There's an argument that Mark and Mark's yeah, fit is above you, Look, Nambi. the box have got such strength and depth that maybe Sia Khaleesi is the only player you're saying is definitely first choice. That's very fair. That's and very fair. And Clerk, I think, really. Sure. But then, you know, even then, Hendricks has been very good lately. But Yeah, yeah. But let's not beat around the bush. Romania were dreadful. They were so so bad and it really really pains me to say that because uh, I really like this Romania team yeah. I want them to do really well there's certain players in it who I just really really want to see kick on yeah. and succeed in the likes of Christy Kirika and Taylor Gantiniak and so on and I think um, those were the two standouts for Romania by a long way we'll get Romania think, out of the way actually yeah. it's going to be so quick too we had Hinkley Vavasa have a fantastic game against Ireland I think he was quieter and forced a few things today yeah. I think the kind of really praise for his gig. performance perhaps got to him a bit and he was like no I am a good player and started to force things which um, he um, yeah, nothing was really coming off for him, which yeah. is, uh, you know, I feel for a bit. But Romania were just powder puff and really disappointing. And I made this point on Twitter, but you go back a year, literally just a year, and this Romania side were a proper team. They were a legit team. They, in the last few years, they almost beat Argentina. They were looking for a try to equalize, having had a late try by Cordero. Well, Cordero makes a break and then Gonzalez finishes it. And that led to the Romania not beating Argentina, which would have been a huge result, right? Yeah. In their first game over against a T1 nation in years. Uh, they gave Italy a proper game. They yeah. gave Samoa a proper game. And this is a really good Samoa team at the minute who yeah. you know, obviously pushed Ireland pretty hard. They have... gave Tonga a game. Yeah, oh, they beat Tonga. Beat Tonga. They beat Tonga by several scores. <laughs> it was like by like 15 points or something. Yeah. They beat Uruguay in Uruguay. They beat Uruguay at home. They beat Chile. Like they beat Portugal comprehensively. Like they really like smashed Portugal last year. Yeah. Uh, they gave Georgia a game. They were a really good team. And then for reasons we still don't know, 
they got rid of the coach, Andy Robinson, the former England and Scotland coach, um, who had become a bit of a joke in both nations. Yeah. But he did a miraculous job. He was the coach Romania, Romania needed. Yeah. You know? And we're not saying he's one of the best coaches in the world, but he did a bloody good job. Because with the thing with both his Scotland and England teams, they were incredibly hard-nosed and they didn't give up easily. Yeah. And you had that Scotland team who weren't as good in terms of the calibre of players, in terms of what they were doing, in terms of everything else, as the England, Ireland and Wales teams at the time. Yeah. And yet they were the ones who were beating the Springboks more regularly. And they were the ones who were beating Australia back when those were like real benchmarks. And that was a really unlikely thing for the four British yeah. teams to be doing, or British and Irish teams. And yeah, he added that kind of steel to Romania. He had that kind of hard nosedness. Yeah. And then Eugene Apjok has come in and he's been incredibly successful at Romanian level. He's the most successful coach in professional rugby history. He's probably realistically as good a coach as they could have brought in at short notice. Yes. Like to help out with the World Cup. And but yeah. The thing is, it is at short notice. Yeah. And he's at the moment out of his depth. Eugene Apjok is the most successful coach in history of professional rugby. He is. Right? He overtakes Guinea Fairs in terms of titles won. Yeah. However, he also has only ever coached up to a certain level. He's yeah. never coached a test level before. He's never coached even at the kind of top end of domestic rugby before. And he has no idea how to prepare a team for this intensity of rugby. Yeah. Which yeah. Andy Robinson is his like. Fault. Say yeah. what you want about Andy Robinson and the fact that his teams tend to be a far more limited style of rugby. Yeah. However. He's experienced at this level. Yeah. He's been to multiple World Cups before with different it's teams. The thing that Lemoyne brought to Uruguay and to Chile is he understood how to get your players to perform at the highest at level. At the elite level, Because yeah. he played bloody 200 games in the top 14 in the Premiership. I'll tell you what, do you know who I feel sorry for? Who? Vern Cotter. Yeah. Because he's come in, uh, It's he's been stitched up so hard here. Yeah. Like, he's come in and clearly he's trying his best to make this work, but there's so little he can do yeah. in this environment. I bet he hates it at the moment. I, and I, I imagine he's I, now on a short-term deal, isn't he? That's the thing, I think all of this Romanian team hate it. Romania's the one team where I haven't seen travelling fans. Yeah. You know, and like, there's so not true. many in the stands when you see yeah. it. I haven't seen any around France. And maybe it's cities we've been in. But yeah. I've seen fans of every single other nation. I've seen a handful of Namibia fans. I have fans. huge, seen, yeah. huge respect for the yeah. families and friends and just general fans of Romania who have travelled over this. Because it can't but be that enjoyable. The but... sport had been in massive decline for a long time due to a series of mismanagements and all sorts yeah. in Romania. You then had this bit of a peak and a bit of a spike and like they were finally getting things back together. And then there's one decision. We still don't know what motivated. We still don't know what changed it. But we're now left with a Romanian team who don't look don't look ready to play at this level. No. They don't look good enough. And like they are physically big enough and they're physically in condition where it's not unsafe to play at this level. But in terms of their preparation and everything else and their structures, their standards. It's the next step fitness, down from that. Yeah, everything is too poor for yeah, this level. It is. And there were worrying signs in the REC this year. Uh, in terms of how they played, particularly those games against Portugal and Georgia, the yeah. teams who have really moved on and kicked on from there. But it was just just so disappointing. It's a real shame. Because like they never were going to beat the Springboks, but they could have, you know, kept it to maybe thirty or forty points a year ago with the team they had, similar with Ireland, and then potentially beaten Tonga because they had the last time they played and the one time they played under Robinson. Then yeah, just you know, given Scotland perhaps a bit of a game to transition into the game here. Yes, there's one Romania fan in particular who I really, really want to talk about. Yes, because um, uh, I think one of my favourite moments of this round, and look, it was short-lived and so on. But as Romania sung their anthem, which as we've previously discussed on every series that we've oh, retrospective, it's so good. It's so dramatic. It's just a brilliant national anthem. It's the two things that Romania are great at, to be fair. Like the two things where if you, to judge the World Cup solely on these, mm. on strength and passion of the anthem. Yeah. And the kit. 
Yes. I think Romania might have the nicest kit, kit in competition. beautiful. I went and bought one for a bloody hundred euros because yeah, I needed it. Yeah, I considered it. it. I haven't worn it yet. But, but I think excited. I think Namibia's is like 1% nicer. It's, Ooh, it's no, so see, I'm, I'm Team Romania. I think yeah. Romania's the best kit. I can't, I'm, I can't I'm, knock it. I can't I'm, knock I'm, it. I'm, yeah, Romania's They're both gorgeous kit. kits. Yeah, both they of are. Them. But anyway, so one Romania fan in the crowd, and it's a, a favourite of ours in mm. the podcast for the five games, four games we've seen him play out of the like 20 odd he played in Rugby World Cups. And that's Romeo Guntiniak. Yes. Romania legend, one of the, the greatest captains of all time. Um, like incredible servant, won about 60 odd caps for them, which for the age he was playing in was Unbelievable. Played in the 95 World Cup, the 99 World Cup, the 2003 World Cup, and the 2007 World Cup. And the 91 World Cup. And the 91 World Cup. Played yeah. in, uh, as of 2007, he played in every World Cup other than 2007 and then coached him in 2011. Other than 87. 87, sorry. Yeah. And then coached him in 2011. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how good is that? Yeah. So, tw- but this is it, right? We're at this stage now where now Taylor Gonteniak's played two games. There has been a Gonteniak playing in more World Cups than there hasn't. Yeah. Uh, so there's only been three World Cups without a Gonteniak in there. Yeah. The which- 2015 World Cup is the, between Taylor, between Romeo Gonteniak winning his first cap and the present day, right? The 2015 World Cup is the only one to have Romania and no Gonteniak. Yeah. So Taylor Gonteniak, we'll yeah. briefly talk about him. So um, it's his first start in the Rugby World Cup. First of very, very many, because he's young. He's 21, we 22. We talked about this on a previous episode of the Retrospective Podcast with Jamie yeah. Wall on uh, the wonderful Kiwi journalist, very, very good friend of the show and of yeah. ourselves. Yes, um, we went and met up with recently. Yeah, he's Top great. Man. But uh we had on that episode, we mentioned him and how he looks absolutely class when he played against, like, Poland. Yeah. And will this translate? And I think it did. You know, he had a couple of good carries. He made a line break. Um, he was he Romania's was one standout good player. player. He was the one player who going, like, oh, actually, he's coming out in credit here. Yeah. Uh, Sharik had a couple of good carries, a couple of good touches. Um, There's very little he could do in that game, though, but, was there? Yeah, it's very, very, very different in the deep end. But Gonteniak, I think, was the one player for Romania who I... I, I think we patronise if I stuck up for more of them, you know? Yeah. But I think he was the one player who I looked at and I was like, oh, no, he, he's really looking good. Like, yeah. He made a couple of really gr- great line breaks. And it was great when they cut up to Romeo in the stands, <laughs> uh, where he was beaming yeah. with Gonteniak stepping under Esterhazen. It was fantastic. However, we should talk about the Springboks, because it is all, all That's six, 76 all of the Romania. Yes. Yeah. Springboks... Obviously, were fantastic. They yeah. they didn't need to be no. that good, but uh, but but they definitely were. Other than Vili Larue, who this is the weird thing. This is the weirdest thing of this whole game, right? Vili Larue, who I love, one of my favourite players to watch. Should we I... both describe him as in one word? Well, hold on, yeah. So I I just want to run through my Vili Larue love okay. first. You know, like uh, World Rugby asked me to do a team of the decade for previous decade, and I like didn't even have to think about it putting Villy the Ruin. He was instantly in there. I think he's only got better since with age. He is the most important player to the Springboks attack, as far as I'm concerned. He is one of the greatest Springbok players of the modern era. Maybe the greatest back of the modern era for the Springboks for me. Like, you know, if you're picking a best back of the current period, you're saying Lacanny Ram is injured. But Villy the Ruin, I just like I love him. He's phenomenal to watch. He is the smartest rugby player in all of South Africa. You know, one of the smartest rugby players in the world, top five for me. And just like an almost faultless, brilliant player who always makes the correct decisions and is so good at just unlocking defences and being very calm and finding the right option and weighing it up and being patient. And today, today, we had to describe him in one word on the count of three. One, two, three. Cack! Villy LaRue was utter dog shit today. <laughs> I can't believe it. And 
there's this weird thing where like South Af- there's a lot of South African fans who convince themselves that the Roo is terrible because every now and again he drops a high ball. Right? Yeah. And then they ignore the fact that like every try they've scored for like five years has been purely down to him. Yeah. And he they're was like, dropping everything today he was rubbish. He was terrible. And suddenly, yeah, he's like gone from he scores the try and he takes this one try really well. Yeah, he was really, really good for that. Other than that, right, like he's giving the wrong passes, he's timing them terribly, he's dropping them, he's throwing them forward, mm. he's like messing the passes up horribly, he's dropping the ball in the backfield all the time like under no pressure whatsoever he's just like every mistake it's like south african rugby twitter right this like terrible villy the rue that they keep talking about they finally manifested him into being and it wasn't villy the rue he's locked up in a basement somewhere like with bloody a handful like georgian props standing guard over him and this like manifested twitter villy the rue like wobbles into being and see like villy are you okay you don't look yourself and then Billy the Root's going, yeah, I am very good today. And he's sort of like wobbling and doing, he's like, it's like, it's like if, if. <laughs> he looked drunk. It's like if whoever's inside the Mr. Blobby costume dressed up as <laughs> Billy the Root instead. That's a reference that doesn't translate to South Africa. And I hope my accent, my accent didn't either, but fine. What I really like here is we've talked about one Romanian who played well and then just <laughs> one, one Springbok who was bad. Actually, no, I'm going to double down. There were two Springboks who played badly. Okay. Kane and Moody was. So, quietly, quite yeah, bad. On the fancy team front, uh, Kane and Moody, I put in because I was like, yeah, this is the game we has a stormer because he was so good in the 13 jersey. Oh, he's been unbelievable against like, all the All Blacks. Well. He was yeah. phenomenal, you know, player of the match against Wales in the warm up game. And I was like, yeah, this is his chance. He's going to prove that he's taking it. And clearly, Kane and Moody's thinking the same thing as me. Yeah. Because <laughs> he spent that entire game, I think he got to like half time and he had to go to try and he was like, no, but this is the game where I tear it up. And he started trying so hard in the second half. Yeah. And it's very different to the very patient, very professional, very hard working. You listen to any of the coaches talk and they'll talk about how professional, like, he's the most professional kid. Yeah. And instead he got like impatient, I think, for one game. Was like, sure. no, I'm supposed to be scoring those of Troys here. Why aren't I scoring those of Troys? So it'd be funny to double down on that. Yeah. Should we talk about the 13 Springboks who played with like world class? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say 13. Yeah. 21. 21. You know, uh, yeah. Springboks were incredible. I say, Corbus Reinach took that hat trick superbly. Yeah. Inside, what, 20 odd minutes? Yeah. Um, uh, three minutes. Longer than it took him to score against Cavadou's hat trick in yeah. 2019. So slouching, really. Um, Not very quick. Must have a very slow mother. <laughs> yes, indeed. Maxoli Mapimpi, I think, was one guy who was just phenomenal. Yeah, Mapimpi. Look, wingers got, one, are, got man of the match. Yeah, wingers are very rarely man of the match contention, but I think like Mapimpi had to be. There. He deserved that. So um, he looked like a guy who knew he had to like had something to play for. You know, yeah. wanted that spot back in the team, and it wasn't just like he took his try superbly and. Uh, obviously, he's insanely fast. He positions himself so well. But the thing is, like, his work rate was just incredible. Yeah. Like, um, it's an easy thing to praise. Like, oh, he comes off his wing, he looks for work. But it wasn't that. It was just that yeah. he was just running really smart lines at the right times. He was patient and he chased kick superbly. But this is... He didn't get carried away. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of... It's the thing everyone says about Moody, but the opposite of Moody in this one game. Yeah. You know, and not every other game he's played in his career. But the thing about Makazoli Mapimpi is that he is clearly the most coachable player in the world. Yeah. Like, there is no player you look at more and go, like, if Mpimpi makes a mistake, he's never making that mistake again, you know? Yeah. He will learn from that. He will change his entire behaviour. There is no player that improves more every single campaign they play. Yeah. And even though he's perhaps been more in and out of the Springbok team in the last year, he still is consistently getting better. He's still one of the when best players in the world. Like. Yeah. When he first got called in, it was because he was, had, you know, a great deal of flair and he could score tries that no one else could score. That's it, like, fast. how drastically but, different a player is he to the one who was tearing up the yeah. Pro 14 when he first came in? Yeah. And he was unbelievable at that point. Yeah. And they've turned him into, like, a world-class player who's 
yeah, world class at different things, like like the kick chase defensively yeah. and all of that. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's like you know I bang on about him a lot, but like him and Josh Adams are the two best players in the world on kick chase. Yeah, right. And Mapimpi is probably the best because he is so good in the air now, yeah. which he wasn't four years ago. You know, he was good in the air, don't get me wrong, but like he wasn't the phenomenal threat that he is now. Yeah. We've seen like his game just grow to be as complete as it possibly can be, really. Yeah. You know, he hasn't doesn't have much of a kicking game, but like otherwise, oh, there isn't a bad kicking game, but it's not yeah. a standout. Every other area of his game is like phenomenal. He's super, he's super. And we saw so much of it yeah. in the tries he scores and the sheer ability and there's like it's not confidence but it is confidence you know yeah. like just understanding his own skill set and knowing that's such a part of his finishing. own pace knowing what he can do yeah. knowing how he can get there every try is so well taken that try where he streaked down the wing and he had LaRue inside him and yeah. he could have passed it but just knew like you know what I don't need to I'm yeah. fast enough and I love that I love that kind of balls out confidence it's that kind of, of thing about like like actors needing to know exactly what they look at and be incredibly aware of yeah. like their own personas yeah. Like Mapimpi has that, but in a rugby place, he's yeah. incredibly aware of who it's he unbelievable. is. So good. Um, speaking of as well, uh, just sheer confidence. Scrum line out more. Uh, yes. Let's talk about that. Like Oxenchay, Umbanambi, uh, Jean Klein. I think were all yeah. incredible. Jean Klein's such a huge asset to this Springboks team. Jean Klein. I mean, I'll missed out there. Massive. Uh, he's been phenomenal since coming into Springboks. He's box. he's just been a bonus ever. Nets a bit. Yeah. To, yeah. For them. <laughs> Uh, and he's had an incredible season with Munster. The fact that Ireland didn't want him is genuinely mad. Yeah. But he's honestly exactly what the... Look, the Springboks obviously needed more world-class second rows. I think so. Um, I think so. potentially world-class second rows. I think they were really and lacking in that area. Then bringing on it are his name in at half-time. That felt like what, utter bullshit. What man. I really loved, though, because I love his name in. I think he's one of the best locks in the world, easily. Like, not a hot take, mm. you know. And he's been great for Munster, right? But today we saw the return of Japanese his name in. <laughs> yes. When he was tearing up League One and just offloading shit and just like being an utter mall goblin when they're all like, oh no, but you're not oh. meant to defend malls. No, but those scenes of him playing in Japan was like something from a Godzilla movie. Yeah. You know, him just like trouncing so through the streets fun. being four times the size of everyone else. And he did else. that again today. Yeah, and I love his that. Viking haircut. And I think the most important thing from a Springboks perspective is Jacques Nenebo rolled the whole t- uh, bench like as early as possible and tested out people in new positions they might need to play. Yeah. Other than Jesse Creeley didn't get on, yeah. which is interesting. I don't know if they're just wrapping him in cotton wool because only one player fell down the stairs and they <laughs> haven't called up the Kanye Ram yet. Yeah. Um, obviously, Paul's been called up since, which I think we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Very important. Uh, Fafter Clerk playing 10 as well. He I played very well. Is, yeah, I think because a lot of the tries you look at and you go like, okay, well, he just does well, you know. Yeah. Reinac just does well on there. And it's why, like, there won't be a video on this. And we were talking about including some stuff on, like, how the box have started. Honestly, there's nothing you can really take from this game because it was a training playing run. against, as you said, like a powder puff defense. There's kind of nothing. As you say, yeah, it's like one step up from a training run. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the next notch up from semi-opposed training. Um, It's fully opposed training. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing too much to take from this. Like, you know, Damien Willemser was perfectly fine, you know? Yeah. Took his tries really well. You know, the, the, the one where he finishes it very nonchalantly, I loved. Yeah. Big fan of that. The ball he flung for one of his early tries. I forgot who scored it. But yeah. The yeah. penalty try as well from scrum. Just always great to I see. I like rugby. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, right, the thing I think we do need to talk about, I think the Springboks on attack look better. And obviously they're playing against a more tired Romanian team at this point, so it's different deal. I thought the Springboks looked better on attack with Faf de Klerk at 10 than with Phillips are at 10. I agree. Uh, I think de Klerk's kicking game when he f- first came on was outstanding. I think yeah. he was he was really, really kicking the leather off it. And he reapplied the whole 
kick on the front foot thing yeah. and, you know, drop the wingers back again. And just like, he reset the game plan like it was back to minute zero when he came on and did a brilliant job in attack. The attempt. thing that bothers me about Damien Williams' fly half, I think, is he, from that position as first receiver, mm. thinks, what can I do here? Where I think Fafta Clerk, when he came on, was far more like what Pollard does and what a lot what most great fly halves do, which is what do we need here? Yeah, sure. Right? Like it's, there's no level of considering his own ability. And that's not necessarily a criticism of No, Williams it's not. Sir. And it's why he's a brilliant player he's in other positions. He's a ludicrously great player. I like. just, I personally don't like him as a fly half. Agreed. I feel like it's like you're playing with a third centre instead of with a fly half. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think it he's works. He's great at 12. He's brilliant at 15. Yeah, great at 13. Complain and he's a well. very good 10, especially yeah. at a level like this. But if he's a World Cup final and he's starting at 10... No. I would, look, if it came down to it, Pollard's obviously been called up since, mm. but I would start Faf Clerk at 10 over him, I think. Yeah. Because De Klerk yeah. just had more of a sense for the shape of a game yeah. and just more tactically aware because obviously that's his bread and butter, just doing it from a slightly different yeah. position. He also had this like big air of like asking himself, what would Andre do? Yeah. You know, which is yeah. basically hang in the boot, kick it a lot and crash ball every now and again. Yeah. Which and then sometimes not slot in and do that. You know that pass that Andre Pollard does? Yeah, I know. Where he's one. like, you know, he kind of like weighs it up, has a ball wide in front of him, and he throws it like yeah, wide yeah, and flat yeah. Yeah, for like yeah. someone to run onto. Yeah, he was doing that a lot. Like it was very much like a tiny blonde Andre Pollard sitting there. Um, just as importantly, we have to talk about Marco van Staden's darts. Yes. Uh, him getting some experience hooking. Um, in, they've neglected to call up an extra hooker. Yeah. And they've, Probably they've leaned into it. They meant it when they said we're going to yeah. give Marco van Sarden some experience as a hooker. Obviously, that is very much a worst case scenario, yeah. but they've proven it's possible. I think he was excellent throwing into the line. Yeah. I don't think he missed his man once. Uh, and throwing but, difficult balls, he wasn't just going to the front every time. The really interesting thing here, though, is that Jacques Nino said in an interview, this was something they started doing in the alignment camps, mm. which they started doing three years ago. So three years ago, they went, okay, there might be a situation where we need this. Yeah. We're going to teach one of our back rowers to play hooker. Yeah. And they also called up at the same time Dion Faree, the next series they had after Who that. was really good. Uh, he was fantastic. Well. And at the time, you're kind of wondering, why have they called up a 36-year-old back rower? That's yeah. mental. He's uncapped. And actually, his ability to play hooker, the fact that he spent a large part of his career as a hooker and has moved into the back row, yeah. gives them that option, gives them that versatility. He's equally good in both positions. And then Marco van Staden doing the same thing means that A, you don't have a situation like Ireland had in the Six Nations where you lose both your hookers and suddenly they had someone who's able to throw in just because yeah. Josh Huntley enjoys it. They've got that problem solved. But they've also now in the situation such as this where they're trying, where in order to get one of their most important players back in, in Andre Pollard, they have dropped a hooker from their squad. They've yeah. gone down to just two hookers and one of them even then is kind of a back row at the it's same time. It's a worthy sacrifice yeah. to bring in Andre Pollard. He's so just, important to them. It's classic Razzy Erasmus lateral thinking <laughs> yeah. to teach a back rower three years out to throw in so that you can move him into that position. He yeah. looked at the pieces he had available to him. What's the shortest back row we can afford to kind of use as that option and developed him into a player who can legitimately fill in as a hooker. And that's it's, it. It's that kind of like Razi Erasmus lateral genius that got them to the last World Cup final and then saw them bloody smash England when they got there. And he's so right to do that because World Cup years are cruel. It could yeah. have been Khaleesi. Yeah. It could have been Lacanio Am. Yeah. It could have been Pollard and it was Pollard, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was Am. And it was Khaleesi. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, Khaleesi's a bloody freak. Khaleesi is a freak. Um, and if Lucanio Am was in the situation Pollard was in where he's, he comes back into full training a week into the World Cup, mm. 
they totally would have wanted to do this. Yeah. There's so many players in the squad that are so important to them that they would have happily done that again. So yeah. kudos to you, Razzie and Jacques. Yeah. Fair play to no, you. No, superb, 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 superb. And yeah, um, Pollard being back in I love is that. going to make such a yes, huge difference. Yes, we should talk about Pollard. Yeah. Because I think this is the really interesting thing about the Springboks. This is almost more interesting than the game itself. Sure. We kind of knew it was coming, even yeah, before the tournament, before did. Malcolm Marks were called up. Yeah. Uh, I think the the theory was that <laughs> Grant Williams would be sleeping and Razzie would sneak into his room with a nail gun. Yeah. <laughs> or like, he'd just be looking behind him as he walked down a set of stairs every time. Or like, you know, there'd be something where Cobus Reinach one day would just be going for his breakfast and he'd just be like, why is my yogurt green when everyone else is a normal <laughs> yeah. colour? I like the thought that like Jaden Hendricks or Grant Williams gets a phone call from, from Razzie and it's just like, hi, um, so I've got some great, great news here. One more question for you. Do you want to go to the World Cup for a bit? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I'd love to go to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, okay, for a bit, yeah. Do you want to go to the World Cup for a couple of weeks? I mean, the World Cup's quite long. Yeah, yeah, but you'll be there for a couple of weeks, won't you? You know what I mean? No, what do you mean? Oh, don't worry about it. You just, you, you'll see, all right? You'll see. And then the squad's name, oh shit, Andre's not in there. This is the thing, right? Like, you then have that. <laughs> the journalist asked them up front, asked Nine up front, like, are you just gonna make a player fake an injury? He's like, no, that'd be a horrible thing to do. And so you're like, well, you know what's gonna happen, don't you? Yeah. Right, after this Romania game, Grant Williams is gonna mysteriously win a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to leave now, the cruise of a lifetime. Yeah. The, the, the entire he's family not been can come. For. Your mum will be angry. If we you were don't joking take her. before the game that Grant Williams is going to score a try, and then he's going to have to go down. So yeah. he's going to have to stretch his calves out. She's like, "Oh no, you pulled a hamstring." Tom Williams is going to run off with a blood capsule. Yeah. Just hand it to him. Yeah, but no, it does mean they've got to a situation naturally because one of their best players <laughs> got injured, where they're able to call up Pollard. It's a fair swap, but and yeah, yeah, Andre Pollard. Um, I said this before the tournament in the video on them. That I think might be the most important player to a player's, the most important player to a team's chances in this World Cup. Mm. Uh, I think he's up there. I'm not sure that's the case anymore of how well Money Lebok has played a couple of times. Yeah. But also, they can lean on Pollard in a way. If you lean on Money Lebok, he might just do a, you know, flying scissor kick that somehow results in a drop goal. Or he might do a flying scissor kick that like somehow. Like the earlier. Yes. Yeah. He might do a flying scissor kick that somehow, you know, Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, somehow results Shatters in... Shatters his feet. Yes. yes. And see a Khaleesi's and results in a bloody series of zombie X Springboks rising from the ground <laughs> and just dragging Bill Beaumont under with them. <laughs> and they get dispelled from the Rugby World Cup for the fact that Marnie Lebok accidentally did voodoo witchcraft yeah. while trying to do a kick. And it accidentally just like killed all of World Rugby. We said this on a prior episode, but like... Marnie <laughs> we Lebok did say that on a prior episode. Yeah. That is the likely thing to happen. Marnie Lebok is obviously incredible, but if in a World Cup final, uh, considering the style of rugby yeah. you have to play to win a World Cup final, you would start an injured Andre Pollard over him every day. I week. think you might. I think you might. Yeah. And having him back in is crucial. Even if they do go over Lebok, having him to come off the bench in a quarter final. Yeah. Uh, especially if it is against a team like, you know, they're likely going to draw the All Blacks of France. Yeah. We'll find out, you know, when they play Ireland as to which way around that's probably going to fall because it looks like France are going to top that group and New Zealand can come second. It would be enormous and actually very fitting and very interesting if they started with Lebok and he was able to pull some magic bullshit, then gets mm. pulled off at 45 minutes and they just slow it right down. Yeah. You know, if the Springboks can get a lucky try off some magic bullshit, especially if they've got Lebok as well to pull something. I could see them giving a half each, you know. Yeah. 
which I think will be a really inspiring thing to do. I, I think that'd be really smart. Yeah. And then you go into the semi-final, which will be against probably, you know, England, Wales, Japan, Argentina, Australia, Fiji. One of those teams, all of those teams are either silly fun teams who you probably need to slow down the game against. Yeah. Or they're teams like England and Wales who are incredibly conservative and want to bait you into traps. Sure. And... We saw in the last World Cup, right? You look at the Chasing the Sun documentary. The section on the Wales game is really interesting because the thing, Fancy says the thing like, this Welsh team are not like the English, they're not like the Irish, they're tough. And the thing Hondre Pollard in particular says is what Wales are trying to do is like lay you traps and tempt yeah, you into yeah. running the ball when you shouldn't. And beating Wales is entirely about patience yeah. and being more patient than them because they're the most patient team in the tournament. And that's why they got so far was just they were more patient than everyone they played against. Yeah. And everyone else tried to force things and then Wales just waited and waited and waited and ate off their mistakes. And they just knew they couldn't afford to give them anything. Yeah. And in the end, you know, leads to a game that's incredibly even. And if that game went on an extra 20 minutes, I think Wales probably equalised and they, you know, it just goes back and forth and back and forth like that and I'm very glad the game didn't go an extra 20 minutes Yeah, but South Africa just knew they had to be ahead when, it, when the scoreboard finished and Pollard was so into that idea and he said in that documentary that was tactically the most interesting game I've ever played mm. and he was like fascinated by it and obsessed by it and like loved it as a challenge because he'd never played a game he said like as a game of chess you know you use that term yeah. you know it was like the best game he'd ever played in ter- as, like, as an objective term you know, not in terms of, you know, his performance. Yeah. Just in terms of what he was having to do was very different to any Most other challenging. match he played. Yes. Yeah. It was just a really different contest. And suddenly, that guy, that guy who really thinks about those games that... Those Welcome games that to turn, the World Cup, Andre. It's good yeah. to have you back. Very different prospect to the Bok who would go, you know, who would fall into those traps. And yeah. he may just bring it in such a way that it completely changes the game and causes them to batter Wales or uh, England or whoever. Argentina could yeah. equally be. Pleased but, to see Andre back. Yes, absolutely bloody delighted. And changed the complexion of the World Cup. Yeah, massively. You know, massively. I think South Africa become contenders. They're back in it now. They're back yeah. in it. South Africa become contenders overnight. We'll miss Sal- uh, Michael Marks, but yeah. hey, yeah. Uh, they've got a more than Look, capable replacement in Andre Pollard. I mean, you, I mean, upon given eye. If you were given the choice, right, if you were Razzie or Nine Ever, and you were given the choice of... You can have a fully fit Michael Marks, or you can have a fully fit Andrew Pollard. Which one would you take? A fully fit Andrew Pollard, me because too. me too. You can have Bongo Manambi, who's one of the best hookers in the world. He's exactly. like top three, probably. Exactly, um, or thereabouts. But I and do been think they for the should, situation for years. The, the, yes, they should introduce a rule whereby the player you call up should have to play forty minutes in the position that I agree with this. For. So he should have to play. But 40 you know, minutes they were probably against Ireland. Yeah, but you know, in twenty eighteen, they probably had like. They did like three months of drills of Henry Pollard playing hooker <laughs> just to work it out. You know? Yeah, anyone can throw into that lineup. Yeah, so I think that's Ireland. Ireland, Ireland? Then that's South Africa, Romania, pretty well covered. Yes. We said there wasn't going to be much to say about that game. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, welcome to Rugby Land. But hey, Romania because has so much going on. We were in Rugby Land earlier when yeah. we, in a random park in Nice, 15 minutes from our hotel, Played a touch tournament. I mean, I yeah. We, I mean, you uh, had to leave prematurely. Yeah. Well, not leave. You had to go and sit on a bench nearby prematurely. Yeah. But that was a lot of fun. That was fantastic. That was so so. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Good. Firstly, I want to say a massive thank you to Ed Jenkins. For yes. Because like we could not have done that without him. We couldn't have organized that. Basically, Ed Jenkins, um, some of you may be familiar, especially the South African listeners who were just <laughs> rimmed for ages. Uh, you may recognize him from trolling you on Twitter at some point in the past. Um, but, uh, he's very relentless and good at what he does. I don't know how he does it. But... I was saying this to him earlier. I said this to him in person. Like, I couldn't do what you do, man. Like, yeah. I'm in awe of it. He is maybe the best deliberate troll in rugby. Yes. He's just phenomenal. The way he comes up with new takes to just wind <laughs> people up is incredible. He's extremely individual and unique in the way he does it. Yeah. I have the utmost respect for him. However, um, he was just so genuinely lovely in helping yeah. me uh, and you organize. And his family, you know, his two his, sons and his he, wife came down as well. Yeah. And his dog, most importantly. Yes, more on that in a bit. But yeah, he, he helped me find the only spot of flat grass in yes. Nice. Genuinely, uh, he tried to get us to play on his rugby pitch uh, of his local club, but unfortunately, it's council owned, and yeah. you know, I, I've experienced this before. It's horrible when you have to deal with the whole council thing. And he, he did his best to pull the strings for that, but like he helped out so much, provided the balls and the cones and stuff, and just generally helped the whole thing flow superbly. Yeah. So massive thanks to Ed first and foremost. But what an amazing day! So. We put out a hypothetical tweet initially about this yeah. kind of saying, would people be interested in a touch tournament in France? And yeah, it was something that we talked about a long time ago. Like, mm. it's a great idea, something we'd love to do. Yeah. And then we got close to the tournament and I know I was very much like, we don't have the time to organise this properly. Yeah. And fair play to you for really pushing on and going like, no, let's just do this. Yeah. Let's yeah. just make this happen. The, uh, thankfully, again, like th- it was a huge thanks to Ed for yeah. kind of helping me get the wheels in motion. Um, so I could, did have somebody to bounce the ideas yeah. off when you certainly had, you know, other stuff, uh, in yeah. terms of logistics, planning this World Cup and then making this all happen up to your neck. I'm writing bloody 20 videos on those teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a lot going on and my brain was like, I can't comprehend the idea of five we touches, both, never mind at all. Yeah, we were both insanely busy, but I think I had five more minutes free <laughs> than you did to plan this tournament per week uh but anyway so yeah so put out a couple of hypothetical tweets mm. and then we decided that when both wales and england were in town in nice would be the perfect time because i think that's probably where we have the biggest audience um so we'd get the most people down because i thought there wouldn't be anyone turning up yeah i thought we were going to get like at absolute best about 20 people yeah you know yeah. i thought that would be the absolute and best case scenario thank goodness when i put the tweet out i had uh, I did like a head count of people saying like, oh, I've got five mates coming, you know, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. totaled them up to about 30, 40 odd people. Yeah. And I thought, how many of them are going to get up at 10 a.m. on but Sunday? But that was it. Like a large part of me was, I thought 20 was the best case scenario. Yeah. I was really expecting to kind of have, you know, enough for two teams. Yeah. We were looking at maybe like 10, 12 people. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting to be a bit like when I did the meetup in Japan 
And yes. you know, there was enough people to fill a very small bar, which was lovely and it was great. It was a lovely atmosphere and it went really well and like the people there were delightful and it was wonderful. Yeah. And a few of them came down to they, you know. Yeah. Uh, Rihanna and David, great people, great guys. No, they you know, were so lovely. In and Japan. helped me they with my issues here. that I had later on, yes. which we'll come on to. But we also had so friends of the channel and the pod. Adam from the WAU, who's yeah. lovely and was such Put great value. the greatest tackle I've seen in touch, maybe ever. Also scored the winning try in the first game, yeah. uh, where he slid in the corner. Oh god, but, so he made this phenomenal tackle, where a player was genuinely about to score, and he did this, like, flying, diving, like and just goalkeeping. Like, yeah, I mean, he mentioned he used to be a goalkeeper, and that's where it came from, but just, like, slapped the guy's knee and save the try. It was unbelievable it was as a great defence. He had a great game in that. He had a great game. Yeah, then, game. then scored the winning try. Um, he received a through-the-legs pass from myself, <laughs> which you will attest to is a move I've tried many times, and yes. it's worked maybe 10% of the times I've tried it. So, and, and that's generous. And you've tried it about 4,000 times. Yeah, I have. Uh, but hey, it worked on that occasion, and um, he dived in the corner, and then literally his celebration was getting up and said to me, fucking hell, I was never not diving for that. Um, <laughs> But that was great. It was great to have him on our team. Yeah. Ben John, the rugby trainer, yes. former Ospreys, professional rugby player, uh, and just amazing content. Like, he's super, you will have seen his content because he's, he's the so best he out there. At Unbelievable. By such a distance. Such fantastic. a lovely bloke. As he's well. lovely. Like, I've met him a few times and he's just the loveliest, like, warmest guy. What? I had a, I first met him, at, uh, we got invited to a box. We happened to be at the same place mm. for, to watch the Premiership final, uh, last year now. The twenty, the you know, if the Freddie Burns drop goal, the yeah. the iconic Freddie Burns drop goal, and yeah, we pretty quickly realised we were the only people actually watching the rugby and started to talk because <laughs> there's a lot of kind of corporate, you know, people sitting around drinking and yeah. whatever because they're free using the free bars and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were like both really invested in the rugby and we ended up talking and we got on really well. And he's such a yeah, nice guy. He's just, the, he's, he's great. He's wonderful. What I love about Ben John is like he was a pro rugby player for like yeah. a number of years and a really bloody good one for yeah. the Ospreys. Like he was such a great player. He um, was one of those players that, like, you know, you always have players at your club. You're always advocating, like, no, you yeah. should play for Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, should yeah, play yeah. for Wales. Yeah. And, like, I know if I was a Cardiff fan or a Scarlet's fan, I might not have been thinking that. But, like, I was always on the Ben John for Wales train. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he was that guy and also, like, since retirement, he's been such a massive advocate for, like, youth rugby, women's rugby, like, minis rugby, like, touch, walking touch. Yeah. Um, like, vets rugby. Uh, wheelchair rugby he has made content about all of these things and like mm. school school rugby yeah. and stuff like um amateur tries and he'll like analyze them and talk about how great it is i think his energy and passion for the game and the growth of it and like really just championing anyone yeah. involved if you look at he works so hard if you look at his instagram and see all the comments from like kids saying like oh, i love your content he always like has conversations with them yeah and goes like thanks buddy uh what position do you play who do you play for who's your favorite team who's your favorite player all yeah of that keeps people so engaged in rugby it's so important having people no, like him he loves it and he clearly loves all levels and all forms of rugby yeah and he was saying you know recently like last time i spoke to him like how much more engaged and how much more he's enjoying it as a fan yeah lately. like he always loved it as a player and always loved the skill stuff in particular yeah and a real focus on like small stuff he clearly had so much fun today um, yeah as we record this at, the, at that touch on one like straight away he turned up he was just like lads you've smashed this like there's so many people here which there were I, how many how many people were there there was about 100 people yeah about 100 people that was a few end. people have estimated yeah. 100 people so i was trying to work this out because we had three pitches running of yeah. between like six and eight players i think yeah. most of them were about eight at the yeah. time running we then had two teams waiting on the sidelines because we didn't have pitch space for them yeah without moving over to a different part Which of the other i side think of the road. eventually became four teams waiting on the sidelines yeah 
And then we also had about 10 people come just to watch. Yeah. Um, including Ben James of oh, this podcast mate. in past. It's the first time we've met him in person. I I've only for you. Oh, I've met him about five times in person. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. First time I've met him in person. It was great to see him. Um, yeah. We recorded a podcast with him. Do listen to that, actually, uh, on Wales Online's Wales Rugby Podcast. Best. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's now the best time I've met Ben James in person. <laughs> Previously, um, <laughs> the week before Wayne Pivak lost to Georgia, the press conference, like, so I was uh, doing a thing for Scrum 5 that day. And basically, I, me and Gareth Reeson were going to interview a player together. We didn't know who the player was until I turned up. And they went, actually, it's going to be Wayne Pivak we're interviewing. So we're going to take you out and place you with Lauren Jenkins. And I was like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> I get that completely. But I got to sit in the background of Wayne Pivak's press conference. Except he didn't have a chair for me, so I just stood up. So I was just stood in the background. Uh, I stole one of Wayne Pivak's biscuits that he had set out in his bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I gave to you for Christmas. You did. <laughs> I gave you other stuff for Christmas, but you also... Did, I don't think you did. No, I did. But also, yeah, a biscuit from Wayne Pivak. <laughs> yeah, great. Just like a cursed item of a Wayne Pivak era biscuit. Yeah. And me and Ben James had to like just awkwardly wave at each other like while he was trying to talk to Wayne Pivak. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, Ben was like our uh, unofficial director of rugby. Then. Yeah. So we'll talk about the... We're going to talk about more of the positives in a moment. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But there was a moment, and it's unfortunately caught on camera... Uh, I had to go off injured, <laughs> uh, and I was done for the day. Where I've watched the footage back, you had a bit of a run, and I went in to go and play scrum half. I got my footing completely wrong. I oh. tripped over the ball, and I rolled my ankle, uh, and had to limp off the field, like a hop off the field. And like <laughs> straight away, Ben James just found it hilarious, <laughs> just laughing, <laughs> laughing. And I was just like, you know what? Good on you, mate. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, so I've had oh. ice on that all day. Rian and David, who you mentioned earlier, mm. were golden. They got me some ice and like a towel to wrap it around and stuff. But That's it's getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm hobbling slightly less, but hopefully. Yeah, next no, you were properly done. Yeah. We are, like, we are staying like a 10, 15 minute walk from there and we had to get an Uber back. Yeah, it cost me 12 euros. <laughs> yeah. But I could not walk for a little bit. And it's really annoying because like, I've rolled my ankle. It's yeah. not like I've broken my leg. No. But, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, I also had a very nice message from Ben John asking if I was alright afterwards. Because he's but, yeah, great. Yeah. That was, that was very unfortunate. But the actual, the, the rugby and stuff we played was really, really good. So we, um, well, introduced the other thing, right? Laws. Like, to everybody yeah. at the start. And everybody was very on board. We made it very clear that you're not allowed to take it too seriously. And everyone was like, thank God, I love that. Yeah. It's like, I think every, everybody was of the exact same mindset as us. And that was the thing, right? So you had Ben John turned up, obviously, who was a former professional, yeah. who's bloody exceptional. And we know if he was taking it seriously, he would have torn all of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a couple of England Touch Internationals turn up. We had a Scotland Touch International turn up. Yeah. Um, we had a bunch of people who were incredibly good. We had another lad who I believe plays to a very high level in Ireland. We had, you know, plenty of people. I was told the Dutch scrum off was there. Yeah. Well, so there was a, yeah, there was a guy in like a Greek rugby t-shirt. Mm. Um, who was very nice shirt. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. We had, yeah, plenty of people turn up who were clearly played to a much higher level than, you know, yeah. me or you. And everyone thankfully bought into the idea of just pissing about. Yeah. Ben, uh, John, not James, uh, Ben J, you know, at one point tried this utterly audacious thing where he tried to do like a Fijian, like Nakarawa dummy around yeah. someone before popping it behind the back to someone else. And it didn't come off, but God bless him. He was, was heavily marked by the boy Eros uh, on our team. who yes. was absolutely class, who's 10 years old and is a baller. And also there was these two Japanese kids who were absolutely ripping Mate, up. so yeah, at the end we went into just having one big game when people started to leave and you know, our team dropped down and yeah. everything. I was like, well, you know, we'll just widen the pitch and have one big game. Game, and that was a great fun I think that was like yeah. a real laugh and people seeing less of the ball but like it was really open it was really good fun there were far yeah. more tries being scored than when we were trying to fit lots of people onto free pitches and I think everyone really enjoyed that but there were these two Japanese kids that came along and there was just a family on the sideline and their dad joined in for a bit and then he left 
I was told they weren't like fans of the channel. They just no, saw no, no. rugby and they were just like, yeah, can we join? Yeah. You? Yes, absolutely. So there was a family on the sideline and they were clearly there for the game in the evening. Yeah. And they were just walking around the park, just walking around Nice. Uh, they had massive Japan flag at the side. Um, mm. I don't know if you saw this, that they stood yeah, at the side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the mum and the dad joined in at first. I suppose it was the dad and the son joined in together. The dad then walked off exhausted. Apparently the dad's a former or current professional in one of the Japanese professional leagues. Okay. That's what I heard because he was good. And then he went off clearly just, you know, a bit tired. Yeah. And his son kept playing and then the he had, two sons right? yeah then the uh, kid joined in he has other kid joined in later the brother joined in later and they were unbelievable they scored like all the tries like to a point in which you're legitimately going that kid's gonna play international rugby yeah like the most talented <laughs> like they're probably like five or six i'd say a little bit older than that. i'd say like eight or nine but okay. yeah oh, i think younger than that so, i think so they're maybe good. like seven or eight then yeah, they were um, so good. But they were tiny. They were like, you know, an age in which I didn't know what shape a rugby ball was. Yeah. And they were genuinely, and like, there's always a bit when it's a kid, you know, of like, like I had one where I was slotting in the fullback and I let one of the kids step me and like, I could have got him if I really tried, but like, he'd pretty much beaten me. Put, you know? like, good, put in a good like, enough step. If it, it was a game of full contact, right? Like I could have like caught his arm and he still would have scored, you know? And like, if it's a game of touch, I could have touched, it wasn't going to touch him there. But... The point wasn't that. The point was that he, in the first place, he'd legit beaten three people to get into that situation. Yeah. And then did me all in such adults. a way that all I could do was like briefly graze his arm if I tried, you know, yeah. if I'd, I tried, but I, you know, whatever. And Those they were just were insane, man. completely like tearing everyone apart. Yeah. And his brother comes in and starts for the other team and starts tearing the other <laughs> side apart. Unbelievable. It's genuinely like we're going to, in 15 years time or something, be watching the World Cup and there's going to be a young Japanese player playing. And he's going to mention in an interview, it's going to come up in commentary, that how many of years ago he came to the World Cup in France mm. and he, you know, where he fell in love with the Rugby World Cup or whatever, his first experience with the Rugby World Cup. And one of the things he really remembers was playing a game of touch against some random adults in the park. And no we're going to go, holy shit, yeah. it was them. And we've got clips that'll go viral. You know. Yeah. So otherwise, so yeah, the games, the original yes. games that we had, they, they set up and like everyone just got straight into it, really loved it. Everybody was on the same wave, wavelength. Nobody was like, you know, trying to get like small victories. Or yeah, Everyone yeah. was just like really like willing to just abide by the, you know, the values. That we'd the values up. of our great game. Yes. Uh, there was a great point where uh, one of them had full time cord. And then uh, they started shaking hands and said, rugby values, lads, rugby values. And they were really like going for it. And then they set a tunnel like, rugby values, rugby values, clapping the hands as they went through. And it was great. Like, it was just really good seeing everybody was in on the joke. Yeah. You know, because uh, I said this to you earlier, but like, if you take a group of English rugby fans, just a random group of English rugby fans in the stadium, mm. you will assume certain things about them in terms of like the way they approach rugby. Yeah. But those guys were like so ironic in their, their whole approach to it. And I loved it. Um, I had, uh, Dragons fan. Oh God, it was the, one of those incredibly watched names. It wasn't Daviv. It was a similar one. Okay. Um, shout out to the, the one Dragons fan who came over to me. And just said, you know, the thing is, you wouldn't get this in other sports. Rugby's just different. <laughs> it's so different. It's so different. Very tongue in cheek. And we had a little like rugby values tirade. I love um, stuff like that. He then told me he was a Dragons fan. I said, oh, I'm so sorry, mate. Yeah, lovely nice. guy. Lovely guy. He had to leave early, but it was great. So many lovely people we met there. It was fantastic. Way. Like everyone right. across the board was not a dickhead. Just, and that was yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so many people just, just so many people, lovely things. Yeah, and... just like really kind, really lovely. Like Just really like-minded. Me... Without wanting to be big-headed, like, really proud of the audience and the kind of community yeah. we built. And I want I to really do, want to do that again. I now want to do far more, you know, yeah. having done this and having done the... And we'll do this in um, the UK, no I think, win thing. Yeah, yeah, we have to do more because I think the community is so lovely that's sprung out of this. Yeah. And we should be doing more of that. Um, yeah. 
And I think generally because I've gone because the channel and the core content of it is so built in a way that doesn't involve fan engagement and doesn't involve sure. audience engagement. I think I've kind of perhaps moved away from it more than we perhaps should yeah. because it's just such a lovely group. It's so it's cool. Lovely people. We've met it? so many nice people the last like yeah. last couple of weeks that it's just uh, I want to meet. I want to meet more of them. I want to meet more yeah. of them and have more chats with them because, as I say, they are like minded and have the same approach to rugby and engagement with rugby and knowledge of rugby that that we do, and that's really really cool. But the most important thing I think that happened. Yes. Today. Yes. Was happy um, three times. Yes. We started our second game, which I have recorded. I have footage of this. And the opposition uh, who we're playing against, who was team rugby trainer, Ben John's yes. team, were featuring two touch internationals as well. Yeah. They didn't need Ben John. No. They, like, oh, God, point, like Ben John subbed off and they were still tearing us apart. At one point, I was like, at the start, I was like, oh, come on, Ben, join our team. I was like, he was like, sorry, mate, I've been claimed. And I was like, fair enough, fair enough. You know, they, they probably need him more than we do. No. Nuh-uh. <laughs> They, they absolutely tore us up. But yeah, playing against them and they did some like fancy out the back shit, which was really nice. And they dropped the ball and we got the turnover. You pick up the ball, you put it through your legs and I pick it up and I notice something. I point and I say, DOG ON THE PITCH! And I'd spoken to Ed. I'd seen that he brought his dog and I thought, right. You need to get this dog on yeah. the pitch. Like, this has to happen. Yeah. And this dog got on the pitch, yeah, two or three times, and there was yeah. another dog who got on the no, pitch. Once. Three different dogs that got on the pitch. Three different dogs that got on the pitch. Mate. There was a great bit as well where some Dachshunds went by, and Dachshunds are my favourite dog. Yes. And they walked towards the pitch, did not oh. quite step on. And Next I was time. so distracted that a try was scored past me. <laughs> Next time we run something like this, bring your dogs, people. Please. Get them on the pitch, get them Please. involved. The dog, whose name I can't remember, but she was on our team and she, she did very well. I thought she was yeah. uh, good in attack, good in D, got very stuck in. And yeah, it was great to have a dog on the pitch because I feel like we'd be hypocrites if we didn't yeah. have dogs on the pitch in our World Cup. And I said this elsewhere, but I thought it was fantastic that we were able to lead by example to the main competition. Yes. And they should be putting dogs on the pitch, you they know? Should they should um, be. They should be allowing people to be uncompetitive other than England. No, England are playing really well, but it's yeah. an easy joke. It's a cheap joke. And they should also put dogs on the pitch. They should. What are they, they doing? Should. Why are there no dogs on the pitch so far? All in all. We're like two weeks into the World Cup. Dogs on the pitch are a necessity in rugby. Agreed. But just generally, that was just such an enjoyable event. Like, I've just got such great memories of that and the people that were there. That was the most important thing for me was just like, everybody who came up and chatted to yeah. us before or afterwards or during or whatever all had like great sense of humor like yeah. i feel like there were very few people like coming up to us and going like oh hi my name is this blah 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 which is i love it when people do that but they first they, they would always break the ice with like a joke and yeah, say like yeah, yeah. oh yeah great pass squidge when you throw an intercept or like oh bloody great which run happened. will when you fall over and you know bruise your ankle or whatever <laughs> and then then they'll then they'll have the conversation with there you, was you know? a, i think that, that's i really like engagement and the conversations like that only moment in my life where i felt a kind of like youtube privilege thing where it's been like oh like this is different is i took an interception and scored and you know as i was putting it down like there was like someone on the sideline went oh it's squidge and i then got a round of applause <laughs> And, and you got, got one boo from the crowd. Yeah, I don't know who that. I don't know who that, I don't know who that was, but um, it must but, be a dick. But the the thing is, right? Everyone else is trying to get like a light, and everyone stopped. Like, oh no, this is an event. We have to stop for this. <laughs> and like, it was bullshit. And I didn't deserve it. I just scored like a very boring standard interception try. Yeah, but everyone was like, no. Oh. 
The double standard applied when for. you threw the interception pass. And everyone was like, yeah. Way. <laughs> like, there was one point when Ben John threw a pass into touch and everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> get a load of this guy. Could never get an Osprey's contract like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tell you what. Right, if you want a hot topic. Yeah. Uh, you know those two new Osprey's kits for next season? Yeah. What do you make of them? I really like them both. Yeah. I spoke to Ben about them. Yeah. He loves them both as well. Yeah. I, I was part kit. of that conversation, but yes. Well, you didn't speak, uh, so I didn't notice you. You're not, uh, you never scored a great try against Treviso. Yes, um, which we brought up. Yes. To him. <laughs> he loves that. So, yeah, the other key thing about this tournament, right, is I had mm. to play it in bloody jeans. Oh my we god. Spent, we spent 20 minutes, or I spent 20 minutes wandering around, you spent 10 minutes and ran off to actually head to the park. Yeah, because we were running late. Yeah. Like, uh, I spent like 20 someone. minutes running around Nice trying to find a sports shop that was open at 10 in the morning, at yeah. 9 in the morning, on a Sunday. Turns out, there's not. There's two that said they were open, and neither of them exist. That's really sketchy. Yeah. Not fine. I, I went to both the locations and they're like, no, there's nothing jeans. there. So I played in bloody jeans and Converse. And whenever you watch the footage back, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really like slow and undynamic. And it's like, yeah, because I'm wearing bloody jeans. There was somebody, one other guy who was wearing jeans. Uh, ben James loved him. He said, my favorite player is the guy who's playing in jeans, who's like proper like denim jeans. Yeah. Uh, and he's putting a shoulder on every single time. Um, who was Welsh. And I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, he yeah. was great. And also the guy who was wearing a scrum cap. That was yes, also that's really, very really funny. funny. That was just a great bit of attention to detail where you're, you're mocking the idea of taking it too seriously. It's very, very good. good. Very good. I can't believe they repurposed the one good joke in Don't Drop the Egg <laughs> to finally, finally be used for good. Yeah, yeah. But with a very, very different audience. Absolutely. Well, I think that takes us through the less interesting parts of Sunday. That's Sunday through to like 5pm. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with a episode on... I've got no idea what order these are going out. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to yesterday's podcast, which we haven't recorded yet. Yeah, no. This is all going all over the place. <laughs> um, it's all like the whole channel, the whole content stuff is a bit of a mess at the minute. But I think we're slowly getting a handle off on it after a really difficult first week. And we're slowly getting on top of things. Because like all our plans were thrown up in the air and changed in that first week of the World Cup. And it was a nightmare. But we're slowly getting a handle on it. There'll be one on the other two games plus the bloody Saturday, if you haven't heard that already. And the last week and everything else. All coming around. I hope you're having a lovely World Cup. And we'll see you soon. Will we? I think we will. And do you know what I think we'll see them for? More rugby. rugby. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.